0: All right, our next guest is Joseph Laycock, Assistant Professor of Religious Studies at Texas State University. Joseph has focused on a variety of controversial religious groups and religious practices throughout his career. He has published books, both academic and popular alike, from Dangerous Games, which examines the moral panic over role-playing games, to the soon-to-be-published Penguin Book of Exorcisms, to be released later this year. He is here today to discuss his most recent book, Speak of the Devil, as well as his work on the film Hail Satan, which looks at the rise of the satanic temple in North America and how they are actively changing the way society views religion. It was my pleasure having Joseph on the show today to share his knowledge with us. You can pick up Speak of the Devil and his various other literary works through Amazon today and check out Hail Satan, the documentary on Amazon Prime uncut uncensored and unfiltered this is an open mind and you're listening to i'm probably wrong about everything all right we got uh, joseph laycock with us joseph how are you
1: i'm doing well thanks for having me
0: awesome i i know when i reached out to you you were on uh you're on vacation so uh where did you where did you go
1: well, you know, we visited my, uh, my in-laws uh, in, in South Carolina, and um, they're old, and we didn't want to accidentally infect them with corona and kill them, Yeah. <laughs> so we did a very, very careful road trip across the, the south, and then on the way back, we could relax and kind of enjoy ourselves a bit more.
0: Because you're based out of Texas, is that correct?
1: That's right, yeah.
0: yeah. How, how has Texas been with the whole coronavirus thing?
1: Well, uh, right now we're a bit of a hot spot. Um, our numbers have started to go down uh, again, but, you know, after New York and the East Coast had, had their spike here in what they call the Sun Belt, we started to have uh, our spike. Um, I drove recently through Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi. The Texans seem to be doing a better job wearing their masks. So maybe that will pay off. Uh, we'll, we'll just have to see.
0: Yeah, because we're, we're here in Vancouver, in uh, British Columbia on the West Coast, and we were doing really well, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, a spike for us is like a 100, whereas in some places in the States, it's like 1,000 a day, so you know for us, that's a big number, but you know, we're trying to figure it out because we're getting ready to go back to school, so yeah. yeah. Now, you wrote a book. It's called "Speak of the Devil." Can you tell us about that?
1: sure so this is a this is a book about a group called the satanic temple uh which is not to be confused with the church of satan those two groups actually uh have a have a rivalry going when i tell people i wrote a book about the satanic temple i say it's those guys who wanted to put a statue of the devil up at the oklahoma state capitol and then everyone immediately knows who i'm, I'm talking about So so i've been covering this group almost since its beginning in 2014 for a, a news magazine called Religion Dispatches. And I eventually decided that I had enough to say about it that I wanted to write a book about it. And so as a, as a scholar of religious studies, this book does two things. One, I kind of just wanted to set the record straight about this group because there's a lot of things that are said about them, like that they are literal Satanists who sacrifice babies to Satan, which, which they're not. Um, And also that this is entirely a a, a satire and they're not serious at all, which I don't think is true. So partly it's just giving a history of what is this group and how did it come to be and what do they believe in. But what's interesting to me about them is not that they're Satanists. It's the way that they are talking about religion, because under, under the American Constitution, a lot is at stake on whether or not something is a religion because the government has to be separated from religion and people have a right to practice their religion. But religion is never, ever defined. No one ever says what religion is. Uh, And and so because of this group stepping up and saying, we are Satanists, we have to be treated like any other religion, this has kind of thrown a wrench to the way Americans talk about this word religion. So for the first time I've seen um, conservative Christians in response to this Tang Temple saying, I don't like religious freedom, Religious freedom is bad. It's not something we should have anymore. Now, they loved it until the Satanists showed up, right? And then I've seen people who said, well, I was always an atheist, but now I think of myself as a religious person because I've adopted the religion of the Satanic temple. And now I like religion. And I realize religion can be a a good thing. So to me, that's much more interesting than Satanists themselves, is the way people are talking about this concept differently than they they were before.
0: So... The way that when I saw this movie, Hail Satan, now, were you, were you involved in the making of that film at all?
1: Uh, So Penny Lane is the director and she's done a bunch of great documentaries. She reached out to me um, as part of the research phase because she had seen some of the things that I'd written on the satanic temple. And I, I did film some things with her in Salem. That was all left kind of on the cutting room floor um so i'm I'm technically in the background in some of the shots but i'm not really in the in the movie
0: well because yeah i I saw that film and the way i see it is that predominantly the members of the and and excuse me i'm gonna i'm gonna confuse these so please correct me it's the church is it they're the church of satan correct
1: they're the satanic temple satanic
0: temple right and the church of satan is something different which I'll bring that up in a second, but the, the satanic temple, they're all atheists. Is that correct?
1: Pretty much. Right. So they have seven tenets, which is sort of like their, you know, 10 commandments or something like this. Um, and, and one of them is basically, we only, we only believe in things that there is scientific evidence for, and actually the, the best available scientific evidence. Um, so most of them are atheists, right? They would say there's, there's nothing kind of Supernatural. We don't believe in any mysterious forces. Now I talked to them and they said, well, it's not like we're gonna kick you out if you believe in God, <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you, but we're not a mystical religion, right? We're never going to have arguments about, you know, sacraments and is this blessed or, 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 or something like this. That's not what interests them. Um, so, so that's one way that they are kind of challenging public ideas about what a religion is. Because a lot of people assume religion is about God, or it's at least about supernatural beings. Um, but not all religions uh, actually fit that criteria.
0: Right. Well, I, I, I did an interview with uh, Mark de Villiers. Have you ever heard of him? I don't think so. He did this book called Hell and Damnation, and it looks at the history of the afterlife in hell, uh, particularly in, in the Western Occidental religions, and how there's such a problem with this. And one of the things that he he talked about is how this idea of hell or punishment is has been put in place to make people do what the church wants. And in this story, in in hail Satan and uh, what I, what I kind of am picking up about the Satanic Temple, is that they want to separate church from state. But if they really want to separate church from state, they need to show that religion that their religion's part of the state so that other people can be like, okay, what the hell's going on here, right? Is that correct?
1: Well, yeah, I, I think a lot of what they're trying to do is reveal these kinds of dishonest arguments, mm-hmm. right? So, so right now in the United States, historically, we have been, we've never been legally a Christian nation. A lot of people believe this. We, we've, nothing in the Constitution talks about Jesus or the Ten Commandments or anything like that. That's not in the Federalist Papers. It's not in the Declaration of Independence. Um, but culturally, we've mostly been white Christians we, they've always been the, the, the majority. Now that's starting to change. And it's starting to change very, very rapidly. Um, and so here in Texas, for example, we mm-hmm. when you picture a Texan, I think a lot of people picture a white Christian with a cowboy hat, but we are already a minority majority state, meaning there's more people who people of color living in Texas than, than not. Um, and, and the millennials. Um, in a lot of cases are walking away from Christianity, are are increasingly more likely to say I'm spiritual but not religious uh, rather than I am a Christian. So in response to this, we have seen things like 10 commandments monuments being erected at state capitals and things like this. And and I really think that this is an attempt to kind of use the power of the state to kind of keep the Christian cultural um, power structure in place for as long as possible. And they can't just come out and say, well, we're a Christian nation, that's why we're putting up this Christian symbol where we make laws. You know, they make these arguments like, well, this is about this is about history or something like this, right? Or this is about the, the, mm-hmm. the founding fathers. Um, and they never just come out and say, we want to basically make the government more Christian. And since they're not coming out and admitting that that's what they're doing, this is where the satanic temple comes in. And they say, oh, well, as long as we're celebrating all different religions on government grounds, you know, we would, we would like to come in and celebrate Satanism too. And their first action was they literally said, if there's going to be a Ten Commandments monument in Oklahoma, we want the statue of Baphomet, this satanic uh, sort of idol next to the Ten Commandments monument. And that was always what they wanted. They never wanted to tear down the Ten Commandments and replace it with Baphomet. They just said, it's gotta be both or nothing, right? And that's the only way um, that you can actually be neutral towards religions, which is what the First Amendment of, of the U.S. Constitution says. Is that the government has to be neutral. or that's what, that's what that phrase has been interpreted to mean by the Supreme Court.
0: So why do you think that – maybe I'll, let me ask this question first. Do you think that they're trying to kind of force feed these Christian values to people or, or you know, this Christian message to people?
1: Yeah, I think there are people who, who want to do that. Um, and I want to be clear as you know, a scholar of religion, Christianity, it's a 2000 year old religion practiced on every continent. There's many, many different forms of Christianity. Uh, but there is a particular movement in the United States right now, um, which is sometimes called Dominionism, uh, which basically says, um, that the church ought to run the government, right? That The church mm-hmm. ought to have the power uh, to, to run the government. And if you've read um, the founding fathers, right? these people are always saying, oh, the founding fathers were Christians. If you read founding fathers of the American constitution, people like James Madison, James Madison literally said, guys, we, we tried this in Europe. In Europe, <laughs> the, we tried, the having, ages. you know, churches that were officially allied with the government. It didn't work, right? It was a total disaster. We don't want to uh, uh, do that all over again. Um, but, you know, some people, um, this, is, this is really what they want, right? And, and I actually, I, I don't mind so much if they're doing this honestly, right? If they would just come up and say, I think the separation of church and state in the American constitution is a bad idea. We should throw out the constitution and replace it with something else. At least that's honest, right? But, but they kind of tend to muddy the waters with these arguments about, well, this is just about restoring our, our heritage or this is what the founding fathers would have wanted and, and, and things like this. Um, and so the Satanic Temple is, if nothing else, kind of forcing them to be a bit more honest uh, in how they frame uh, what they're doing, right? So when they said, well, the 10 Commandments is, is an important part of our history, which, which it really isn't. I mean, it, it, you know, the 10 Commandments says you can't steal or, or you know, lie or kill. Well, every human society on earth has those laws, right? right that's not right, the basis right. of, of American law. We're based on English common law and there's there's a long history there. So it's not really about history, but the Tang Temple will just respond, well, you know who else has influenced American history? The devil. <laughs> right? And so they could just say, look, we can go right there with you. We can make these silly arguments as, as well. And let's, let's try to be more honest. Um, so, so that's another example of how they are kind of changing the conversation through these sort of stunts, um, like the, the Baphomet statue.
0: What, well, and I, I love that in the movie about how, like just, just the way that they did it in terms of, it was such a great story because there were these two different sects of the, of the satanic temple. And there was a, the, the one lady on the East coast and how she kind of became super radical. And it was almost like showing you a, a schism that had happened in actual Christianity between these two different sects is, go ahead.
1: Yeah, so you're referring to, to Jax Blackmore. Yes, um, thank you, and, yeah. And so Jax Blackmore um, from Detroit. Um, Detroit was sort of one of the first chapters of the Tang Temple. So they began as this tight knit group in Boston and then they began to form chapters all over the country. Um, and Jex Blackmore, as you saw in the film, um, is extremely charismatic. Um, I, I talked to a lot of young women who said I joined this tank temple because I was inspired by Jex Blackmore. Um, she is trained in opera. Um, she is a performance artist, um, so she is able to do these these right. really um, impressive uh, uh, performances. Um, there was a horror movie called The Witch, and uh, yes. they asked they asked uh, if she would kind of help promote the film. And so there were these screenings where they would show the film and then she would do this sort of kind of political black mass sort of a ritual. And, and her whole thing is, you know, trying to shock people out of their shock. political complacency. Right. And this is a tradition that goes back to um, uh, political groups like the Yippies in the 1960s and the Situationists in, in France. This is an old sort of far left political idea of if we just sort of, um, do something really kind of shocking, can we get people to question the way things have, have, have always been? Um, and so in 2018, she left a bit, she left Satanic Temple before that, but in 2018, there was what some people called the Satanic Temple Civil War. And a lot of the chapters that had formed around the country basically said, um, this isn't radical enough. Right, and, and this was after Trump had been elected and this was after neo-Nazis had marched through um, Charlottesville, Virginia. And they basically said, we want to be doing something much more uh, uh, radical. And the leadership said, we have to be very careful, right? Because if we are a national organization, um, it would be very easy, for example, to be labeled a terrorist group by the FBI. Something like this, right? Uh, which would have terrible consequences for for, for all of us. Um, so basically, the, the the split kind of came down to, um, you know, w- w- do we want to take a kind of more radical, more risky approach to what we're doing, or do we want to kind of stay within the lines of, of the law and take kind of a, a safer route? And this was happening while I was doing my research, um, and so a lot of people that I interviewed were very upset and and there were some, sometimes in the interviews I would have to say, look, I'm not, you know, this isn't confession. <laughs> I don't, I'm not gonna put in the book about all these arguments and and who called who, uh, what and, and so forth. Um, and we know that in the, the history of religions, actually schisms are normal. What's rare is when a religion actually manages to go a long time without having a schism. And one of the things I talk about in the book is, There are certain factors that make a group less likely to schism and the satanic temple doesn't have any of those so for example the catholic church is a very stable religious organization well they have a pope right (laughs) Right? um the satanic temple is is never going to have anything like a pope right because they're all about questioning authority and 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 things like this um so i think that the schism was was kind of inevitable And, and there was a while where it looked like this might be the end of tst uh, but as far as I can tell, they have they have bounced back from that.
0: Yeah. Well, the uh, I, I I don't know his official title, but Graves is his last name. I apologize; the first name slipped in my mind. What's his first name again?
1: So Lucian Graves. Lucian is yeah. uh, so he and and uh, another figure named Malcolm Jerry, who is silhouetted in the documentary. They're the co-founders um, of of TST. And Lucian Greaves is the spokesperson. So he's the one who actually goes on cable news and things like this. And Malcolm Jerry kind of lurks in the, in the shadows.
0: (laughs) Well, it's interesting because uh, Lucian Greaves, he, like when I first see him in the movie, he almost looks like a villain. But then as you get to hear him talk, you're like, Oh man, like this guy, he's more human than, you know, the whole thing is just so artistic. I love it, but uh, this idea of yeah, we want we want equality and we want transparency, right? But the way that he goes about it, it's so uh, it's such a it's such a production. I sometimes feel.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's you know, the temple has been dismissed as the the hot topic army. Some people have called them that, right? Because the They have a lot of style, right? Mm -hmm. Um, This is, you know, if you go to a satanic temple, especially if it's a political rally where the public is going to be there, there's a lot of kind of transgressive clothing and a lot of black leather (laughs) and things like this. And Lucian Greaves, as as you mentioned, you know, he does have um, a corneal scar over one eye from uh, an incident that happened to him in in Detroit, doesn't, doesn't talk about it. Um, but it gives him this very kind of distinct look, and some people say looks like a like a Bond villain, <laughs> um, and and so I, I think that has given him uh, a, a kind of uh, a charisma, um, and you know this goes to the argument that TST is a religion. Lucian Greaves would say, well, look, well, we don't just we don't just talk about Satan to annoy people. Um, we to us Satan is sort of our favorite fictional character, and we actually do have this shared community of common symbols and rituals and and shared values. And that's the sense in which we are a a religion. Um, And so choosing to dress in these kinds of transgressive ways is part of that. It's not a requirement. There's not a dress code, um, but it's, it's definitely part of the culture.
0: Well, and the other thing that I love about it, and I've, I've worked, talked a lot with uh, people of various pagan uh, religious backgrounds And I find this one common thread about how truly inclusive it all is and how, in my experiences, religion, uh, Christian religions can be very exclusive.
1: Yeah, so this is one of the big debates during the so-called satanic civil war is a lot of people said TST is not inclusive enough. As -hmm. much as we try to be inclusive, a lot of the leadership is, is white, right? Now, there are other kinds of, of diversity. Um, so, uh, it's probably a little bit more than half women. Um, there's a very, very high rate of LGBT people in TST, um, a, a high rate of people with disabilities, um, but not many people of color. There's some. And, you know, I talked to um, Steve Hill, who is a black um, comedian and political candidate and identifies as Satanist and basically says, look, you know, black people are are terrified of Satan, right? <laughs> you know, the, the church is such a strong influence in, in black community, there's just not going to be black Satanists. And he said, and also, we don't, we don't want to wear your like chain wallets and your black combat boots. Like we don't, we don't like that stuff, right? So these are all uh, obstacles. And so TSD had a debate about this, about kind of, you know, what, what can we do differently? And they said, well, what do you want us to do? Do you want us to send missionaries into black neighborhoods like the Mormons and try to recruit more black people? Right. Uh, and so what they finally did was they created a diversity committee, um, which is just kind of, you know, that, that way that sort of minority voices, if they feel like, Hey, no one else in my chapter is L- Latinx, or nobody else is black or whatever it is, there's someone that they can talk to who can kind of, um, improve things. Right. Um, And then when I was looking at factors about why do certain churches, um, why are they stable? Why they not have schisms? One of the factors they actually found was if there is an ethnic component to the religion, right? So like, um, Italian Catholics don't convert to other religions, because they're like, I'm Italian, I have to be Catholic, right? So if you have a group like TST that is actively trying to become more diverse, um sociologically that's another factor that contributes to to schisms
0: that's such a good point i i have a number of friends who are are filipino and they're like staunch catholics and you know they don't they don't even they don't necessarily practice catholicism but they're like yeah nope i'm a catholic and it's like okay and it's almost you talk about missionaries and how They went into these communities and they would do this, you know, noble work to bring in recruits. Again, I'm not a religious scholar, so I'm probably using the worst terminology, but win the hearts and minds to win converts to keep the religion growing. And that's why churches in the medieval days, because I don't think even Jesus talks about uh, gays, but they said homophobia is wrong. And that's because gay people can't reproduce so that's why it became a sin, and then it just evolved into uh, homophobia, right?
1: Yeah, I mean this is a whole other can of worms. I think a lot of historians would say our concepts of gay and straight simply did not exist in first century Palestine. Those were not categories, you know, that people thought was so. Literally, nothing in the Bible is about gay people because no one thought in those in those terms. Um, but uh, you know. And of course, again, I said, there's all different kinds of, of Christians. There are, of course, gay Christians. There, there are yeah. um, uh, pro-LGBT uh, pastors and ministers and things like this. Um, but traditionally, especially in North America, Christianity has been pretty anti-LGBT, anti things like gay marriage. Um, and when organized Satanism began in 1966, it began in San Francisco. And so it was, ra- one of the things that was radical about it was it said, hey, you know, no one, no one is allowed to judge you or your sexuality, right? There's, there's no God. There's no one to judge you. And, um, you know, we're trying to emulate the fictional Satan. Satan did whatever seemed right to him, and, and we should do the same.
0: What is the difference between the Church of Satan and the Satanic Temple?
1: Right. So um, as far as we can tell, for most uh, – so the word Satanism – Appears uh, in the 16th century after the Protestant Reformation, so Europe goes from being all Catholic, no other religion really in Europe, to now we have two different types of Christianity, and and then people kill each other for 200 years, right? And it's in this context that people begin saying, "You are a Satanist," right? No, 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 you're a Satanist. As best we can tell, there were no real Satanists. This was just a this Damn. was just a, a a dirty word, right? Um, and and you know some historians have really said well there's like one guy in like Denmark in 1865 who said he was a Satanist or something like this, but generally nobody stepped forward and said I am a Satanist until Anton Levay um, founded the Church of Satan in San Francisco in, in 1966, um, and so when he did that, um, you know he created this sort of official Satanic religion and he invited the press to come watch him. Do satanic baptisms and funerals and weddings and things like this, um, and it was an atheistic religion. So he said, "This is all we're doing satanic rituals, but it's it's therapy basically. Mm. It's psychodrama. We're kind of dealing with our parents, you know, cramming their values down our throats or something like this. It's not mystical. There's no supernatural um, uh, Satan, um, and by." you know, so so Lucian Greaves began as um, he had a, you could buy a membership card to the Church of Satan. I, I believe he had a membership card, but by the, the 21st century, the Church of Satan was really just kind of a mail order organization. They didn't really have a lot of face-to-face meetings. And, you know, there's like a newsletter and there's a Twitter feed, but they're not not doing much. So one of the the kind of impetus to start the satanic temple was, you know, Lucian Greaves felt what's the point of having organized Satanism if you don't organize, mm. if you don't do anything collectively. Um, but the other big difference is that Anton Levey was rebelling against the culture of San Francisco in the 1960s, which was very, it was the hippies. It was, Everybody thought Christianity is, is, is going to die out soon in 1966. They were quite wrong about that. Um, and so he he was rebelling against this and he said, look, I don't, I don't like all this peace and love stuff that you guys keep keep preaching, right? I I, I um I think it's more noble to have a kind of Machiavellian uh, uh, system, and so he read Ayn Rand, right? Ayn Rand was sort of, mm-hmm. we shouldn't have social welfare; everybody's sort of should you know, um, fight fight for what you have and and things like this, um, and so that set the Church of Satan to go on a very conservative um, trajectory right and and has taken views that have been described as social darwinism right basically oh. you know if if you're not if, if you're not smart enough or strong enough that you're just on welfare why should i pay for your, your welfare right kind of kind of rhetoric um and so tst is that that's really anathema to them right the standing temple says no we want to help everybody we are a progressive organization they do charity work Um, They do a lot of work to kind of raise supplies for the poor and and, and things like this. So that's one source of tension is the political difference. But the other one is that the, the the church of Satan is much older and much more established. And of course, Anton LaVey wrote the satanic Bible, which you can find in any bookstore in North America. So they've been around a long time, but they have been kind of completely eclipsed by the satanic temple because the satanic temple makes headlines every month for all of the The stuff that they're, that they're doing. They're, they're, they're so active. Um, And the church of Satan has said, well, you shouldn't, we shouldn't be activists, right? That's not what we're supposed to be doing. You guys don't really understand um, uh, uh, Satanism. So there's possibly some jealousy uh, there. And to be fair to the church of Satan, every time TST does something, the headline half the time says church. Yeah. Yeah which has got to be just incredibly uh, frustrating for them. So I, I am somewhat sympathetic to their, um, you know, their, their frustration with the Satanic Temple.
0: Well, I mean, that's that's really good because, I mean, I, I myself, you just heard me, I, I called it the Church of Satan when we were talking about the Satanic Temple. So what, what drew you into this? Because to me, this is fascinating. What brought you into it?
1: Well, I have... Uh... I have a background covering kind of strange, unusual groups. I edit um, a journal called Nova Religio, um, which covers things like Scientology and Wicca and um, you know, the Branch Davidian Siege that we had with David Koresh here in mm-hmm. Texas. Um, and I think these things are really important to cover because as, as the Branch Davidian Siege showed, um, lives are on the line. Right, we, I, so I, I think these things have to be covered in a very responsible way, and we tend to um, sensationalize them in the media. and And to be frank, that gets people killed. Um, getting everybody really excited about, you know, the cults are coming to get us um, leads to very dangerous, very very bad things. We need smart people um, studying these things, uh, but also, you know, I am trying to build a, a career for myself. It's very hard to get a tenure track position in the humanities. Um, And so I'm looking for groups that nothing has really been written about yet. Um, And so TST um, fit fit the bill. Um, And and there's lots and lots of news articles about TST, but they're all very shallow and often inaccurate. And, And also the media only understands parts of this religion that they have been invited to come look at. Right? So if they have some kind of big political stunt, the media shows up, but nobody knows, for example, that like TST chapters have book clubs and they get together and they read books and they discuss it. Or I went to a satanic picnic in Austin, right? and, and nobody in the park knew that these people with their, you know, their dogs and their kids and cooking hot dogs were, were, were Satanists. I think if, if the media knew about that, they would be more inclined to say, oh, this is a, this is a real community. Right. Whether or not it's a religion, it's a yeah. real community. This is not just some elaborate put-on right. by, by some guy in Boston. Yeah, it's all, They're always erecting these demon statues. Well,
0: here they are having a nice picnic, right? And it, it, well, it kind of, it's that, what's that word? When, uh, oh, shit, I can't think. But anyways, their idea of what it is, it, does, it just clashes with what their idea is.
1: Exactly. It, it, the hilarious thing is there's only one statue of Baphomet and they 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 put it on a truck and so that that statue has showed up in detroit and in little rock arkansas and it's currently in, in a shed in salem massachusetts and you can go see it and take your your picture with it um, but i've seen you know petitions by people who think these statues are permanently installed all over america right and they say oh well there's one in you know there's there's one in little rock and there's one in oklahoma mm. there's one in sabrina new york uh, there's no such place as Sabrina in New York. I think they got it confused with the Netflix show uh, about Sabrina, show. The, the teenage witch. <laughs> so so that's kind of the level of misinformation. So that was one of the reasons to write this this book. Or I have students who want to write a research paper on the same temple, and there just isn't much peer-reviewed mm-hmm. information out there right now to do the research paper. So this is the book kind of sets a baseline for further analysis of this group.
0: So... What is, we always talk about, you know, what's the thesis statement of this book?
1: Right, so as this, if there's a thesis statement, I think it's that we should pay attention to the Tang temple because they are changing the way that we talk about this term religion. Um, and, and I try to really explain this to my students, but because there is no legal definition of what is a religion, there is a lot of power at stake in defining whether something is a religion or not. So for example, when Christians put up 10 commandments monuments on a, on, you know, on a state capital, they say, well, no, 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 this isn't a religious thing. This mm-hmm. is a history thing, right. right? Not religion, history. When the Satanists say, um, we believe, we have a religious belief that our, our bodies are inviolable, and you cannot make us go through these long waiting periods to receive an abortion. Um, they say, "Well, wait, wait a second. You guys are not a religion. You guys are a political group, right?" And so there's every day in America, people make these these subtle distinctions. Like, well, that I want this to be a religion, so it's religion. I want this to not be a religion, so it's 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 not a religion. Um, and so the the main thing that Saint Temple is doing, which I see is important, is really forcing people to think consistently uh, about this right this is very hard for people to do um in my world religion class i have an assignment it involves a group called the church of body modification Hmm. which is a real group and basically they say we think that piercings and tattoos are sacred and if you you know don't let us have our piercings at work or have them at school or whatever you're violating our religious freedom and, and so I just asked students, just give me an abstract definition of what religion is. And then tell me if the Church of Body Modification is is a religion or not using a definition that that you wrote. Mm-hmm. And what kept happening was they would say, well, a religion is about, you know, whatever makes you feel spiritual. And it'd be all this kind of gushy stuff. And then they would go and say, well, the Church of Body Modification is not a religion because there's not many people in it. They don't have a big sacred book. They, it's not old Right. Right. And then I would just say, okay, well, that's fine. But that means your real definition of religion is not what you told me. Right. And so it's, it's almost second nature to play these kinds of mental gymnastics. And it's very hard to cut through it and get people to just think consistently uh, about what they're saying.
0: When, when I talk about, because I talk about faith and religion and uh, I see myself as, you know, not, I, I see myself as this, but, I'm an anti-religious person because I see religion as a set of rules that people have to follow. Whereas to me, faith is like belief, you know, and it's not something that you force people. It's more like uh, your relationship with what it is that you believe. Do you agree with those definitions or how would you define religion and faith?
1: Well, so one of the things that I, I talk about in the, in the book is if we're not going to define religion as just what you believe about God, well then what is it? Mm-hmm. Right, and and so one of the, the theories of religion that tries to kind of get at the different components of this is called the four C's. Okay, um, and so the the four C's approach you have um, creed, which is just we believe the following things in this religion. Um, you have um, community, which is the community. Um, you have cultus, which is just the rituals um, that that you do in this. Oh gosh, and then there's a four C, uh, which is code. Which is sort of, you know, if you are in this religion, you 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 must do the following things. You you can't do the the other things And the argument is basically, when you have all these four things together, then it's a true um, religion, right? Um, and so with the Satanic Temple, um, you know, they're not they're not big on rules, but definitely they they have a code, right? If you say, well, I, you know, I I hate gay people or something like mm-hmm. that, right? I, I want to persecute them. Um, they say, well, the first ten is we have to be compassionate to everyone. So if you right. think that gay people are not worthy of compassion, that's, that's breaking the code, right? You, you, you can't be here. Um, they also have kind of a creed, though, um, in that the seven tenets talk about justice. And I talked to Malcolm Jerry, who um, wrote most of the seven tenets, and he said, well, justice isn't something that actually exists. Like, I can't, it's not a scientific concept. I can't go out and touch justice. We just believe in it, right? We just believe that there is this thing in the universe called justice and we pursue it and we know we'll never reach it. Um, But we get, so the more he talked about justice, the more I began to say, well, this isn't supernatural. It's not like God, but it is transcendent. It's something beyond this world that you just believe in. You you just have faith in it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you you could argue, well, there is no justice. It's a dog eat dog world. Um, this is a fantasy, right? Um, there's a, people argue that, right? Um, Sam's Temple says, no, 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 we, we believe in justice. So once you understand what that really means, it starts to seem more like, you know, this idea of faith that we normally associate with a religion.
0: Wow. Well, you're, you're, you're reminding me of the book, uh, have you read Sapiens by Yuval Hari?
1: No, I haven't.
0: Well, he talks about this idea of stories and how we've created stories and that's helped us to expand from, you know, our, our tribal uh, communities to something much more global. And that's because we create the story of justice and rights and rules. But really when you strip those things down, you know, it is just a, a dog eat dog world. But then if you did that, you wouldn't, we wouldn't be here today. So it was based on these rules, these stories that we were able to get here and expand ourselves.
1: Yeah. And this is another point that the tank temple makes is they would say, you know, we don't believe that Satan is literally a fallen angel mm. or that there was a war in heaven, but this is a, this is an important story, right? We, we take value in this story, especially because the story is really not in the Bible. Nowhere right. in the Bible is, a, is the story appear, right? Um, you know, Some Christians would say, well, there's little hints of it here and there, but really it's not in there. Genesis doesn't begin and and after God created the world, Satan got mad and there was a big fight. (laughs) This is not in there. Um, But where the story is told is in things like Milton's Paradise Lost, in the work of the romantics. And in that work, it's a much more sympathetic reading of the devil Right, as sort of this was a guy who, if nothing else, was very, very brave. Right? Yeah. If nothing else, uh really made a stand for what he believed in and, and didn't didn't back down. And so to say, even though this is not a literally true story, it's not history, we we find meaning in it. It's it's meaningful to us.
0: Yeah, he's he's the rebel, he's the anti-hero, he's the uh you know what's that book? Not Slaughterhouse Five, but it's uh shoot. I can't remember. Anyways, but he essentially had this oppressive seat, you know, boss above him, and he was like, "Dude, this sucks. I want to do my own thing." And we could kind of resonate with that story, right? So, you also talked about the satanic panic. There's a book that I'm reading right now called White, Fragili- White Fragility, and I think that this ties into the shock value behind the satanic church. Have you uh, have you heard about this book, White Fragility?
1: Yeah. I've heard of the book. I haven't had a chance to, to, to read it.
0: What, so when we talk about, uh, class and, you know, social political identity politics, does this, does the satanic temple tie into this?
1: Well, sure. I mean, they are, you know, we, we're in, we're in this very strange political times where we have, um, on the one hand, you know, gay marriage was illegal in many parts of the United States, you know, five years ago, right? Um, the idea of being a transgender person was uh, widely mocked 10 years ago. right? Um, so those changes are happening very fast. And at the same time, we have literal Nazis, you know, patrolling our streets with assault rifles, right? I, I just saw a, a photo someone posted of a guy with a swastika face mask and a big gun on his hip. It, gas station in america um and so so these are just bizarre times and and no i don't think any religious group is kind of um, immune from this um and tst is not um they're not explicitly in um you know they're they're, they're, part of the 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 conflict in tst is is said, look we can't take on every identity issue at once right we have to we have to choose our battles. And um, you, know, you guys can do these things, but try not to do them under the TST flag. Um, so reproductive rights are a big issue for them. LGBT rights are a big issue for them. Um, but they haven't gotten into things like uh, Black Lives Matter protests right. in an official capacity. They haven't really gotten into Islamophobia in an official capacity. And it's not because they're unsympathetic it's, it's simply because they have limited resources and they are really trying to be very strategic. Um, Malcolm Jerry in my conversations with him, he really is like this chess master, right? He's, he's mm-hmm. extremely strategic about everything um, that, that he does and strategy and passion are not always a good mix, right? So you have a lot of people saying, you know, black people are being murdered in America. Now we have to do something immediately. And you have the strategist saying, well, that's okay, but don't, don't you know, bring your TST flag or whatever to go do this. And, and that's, that can be enraging, right? They say, what do you mean I can't do that, right? Um, Lucian Greaves said, "You know, if you wanna go protest with Black Lives Matter, go, go do it, but don't, don't try to advertise for TST while you're doing it. And he said, look, you wouldn't go to a Black Lives Matter protest and hand out uh, you know, Hardee's discount breakfast menus to people. <laughs> right. Advertising at a protest is is gauche. It's tacky. And, and so you shouldn't do it for, for TST either. And I think some people were persuaded by that and, and and some people weren't. But um, you know, it this this has been this has made the last couple of years very tumultuous for TST, trying to right. kind of hold the middle together when there's just so much work to be done.
0: What what do you see as the future for TST?
1: That's a really great question. I mean, for, uh, I, I think some people just assumed if anything happens to Malcolm Jerry and Lucian Greaves, it's just over, that right. they're just holding the whole thing up. I don't think that's true. Um, so there is um, there is a national council, um, which does not include Lucian Greaves and, and Malcolm Jerry. So there is a kind of um, sustainable leadership. Um, there are all these little chapters. But the, the, you know, all over North America, um, US and Canada. But the other thing that's interesting to me is when people break away from TST, which a lot of them did, a lot of them said, I'm a Satanist, but you guys um, are not progressive enough, or you guys are not diverse enough, or I believe in the supernatural and you guys are, right. are sort of bashing supernaturalism, um, they don't just quit TST and then go back to being spiritual but not religious or I something they always form some new satanic group. Hmm. And so if nothing else I think we're going to we're going to see the um 2010s were a moment when satanism went from being basically an almost imaginary religion to having all these little progressive satanic groups all over uh, all over America. So that could be the legacy of TST. The other legacy is that uh the Church of Satan was pretty conservative right um right. culturally progressive but certainly fiscally very conservative yes. um and it made satanism kind of a right wing affair and now Satanism is being reclaimed by the left in in a big way so that's another shift that we 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 see from t s t that will probably last for a while
0: uh so this is kind of an unrelated i guess connected question, but antifa yeah again, you hear about that here. What are, are they connected to TST or, or excuse me? Are, are people saying that there's connections to TST within Tifa?
1: People are absolutely saying there's a connection. Yeah. That There is no connection. Right. Um, so I covered, um, I covered an event in Little Rock, Arkansas, where they held basically a rally for religious freedom and they put the Baphomet statue on a truck and they drove it down to Little Rock, Arkansas, Um, and the Ku Klux Klan came out to counter protest. What? Um, yeah, and actually the, the Klan, you know, you can go Google this. Um, the the Klan did not muster a very good showing. It was basically about half a dozen elderly men Mm -hmm. and Lucian Greaves actually made fun of them mercilessly from the. The, the podium, right? And, and by the way, that's part of Lucian Greaves' philosophy uh, is yeah. saying, you know, Antifa would say, punch the KKK. Right. right. Lucian Greaves would say, don't punch them, make fun of them. Right. Right. Make everyone see how stupid they are, but do it within the bounds of the, of the law. Um, and there was a much more um, sort of sinister, um, like neo Nazi organization um, that said, we're going to show up too. And in their literature, they said, and TST will be pr- protected by their Antifa allies, so come armed to the teeth. Mm. And then there were some Antifa saying, you know, we're going to come, you know, crack some Nazi skulls. And so there were indications that this could actually turn into something very violent, right? If everybody shows up looking for a, a fight. Fight, yeah. And, and, and what TST basically told Antifa is look, we 100% agree with your politics. Nazis are terrible. Nazis should not be able to do these things. We don't agree with your tactics, right? We have to work with the police. And so TST does have um, a security team um, hmm. who have a background actually in, in um, law enforcement and, and martial arts and things like this. Um, but they worked very closely with the the Arkansas police. And if Smart anything hair. happened, they would report to the police. Um, and they really want to try to you know, know who all the 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 captains were before the event started and things like this. And uh, so the security detail um, the night before was basically saying, you know, here's what's going to happen. You know, here's, and the other thing to understand is uh, Arkansas is an open carry state. So everyone can just be armed to the teeth. Right. Yeah. yeah, And, and, you know, part of what I noticed there is uh, you can't bring weapons on the actual Capitol grounds. And so, what I noticed is these guys with shaved heads and walkie talkies mm-hmm. who never actually came onto the Capitol grounds. I think because they, they were concealing handguns, right? And they were sort of hoping some brawl would emerge when they could pull the handguns out and, and begin being violent. Um, but uh, so, this Satanist had, had been talking with the Capitol police. And, uh, and just sort of going over everything the day before and making sure everything was, was safe. And the uh, chief of the, the Arkansas Capitol Police says, why do you guys, why did you request a trash can? And he said, because after the rally, we're gonna pick up any trash so that we leave the place cleaner than, than we got there. And he's like, you're not gonna put blood or nothing in the trash can. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, the Satanists also are laughing and the security says, well, ha- hold on guys, to be fair, we do some very strange rituals. Like that was a fair question to, uh, uh, to ask, but in the end, everything was, was okay. And Antifa did show up, uh, but they, they did not do anything violent. They handed mm-hmm. out flyers with pictures of, of people's faces. The following people are known white supremacists and tell us if you see them, uh, things like that. but that's within the law so fortunately the the rally was completely uh uh, non-violent
0: well now you you would know this better than me because this is me looking at it from a distance but i'm seeing some of what's going on in the states and it's happening here in canada too and it seems like there's a radicalization in terms of you know the left and the right and the middle ground Uh, people who are, you know, kind of open to the conversation or whatever. It seems like they're, they're getting much smaller, but I do think it's because these radical ideas are, their voices are much louder. Do you see kind of a proliferation of radicalization on the left and the right?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, there's a concept um, I talk about in the book called a purity spiral.
0: Purity spiral.
1: And a purity spiral is basically you have a group of people and they keep shifting further and further to the extreme. And if you don't wanna be left behind and seen as kind of a traitor, you have to go along with it. So I think it's very telling that in the US, um, I see conservatives who are supporters of Donald Trump saying, Oh, that, that George W. Bush, he's not a real conservative. (laughs) No, he doesn't, he doesn't believe in America. And I'm like, are you serious? Yeah. George W. Bush is a conservative, right? And then people on the left, you know, saying, you know, well, how can you vote for Joe Biden, right? Joe Biden, there's no difference between him and, and, and Trump. Um, or, or, you know, how can you, how can you even, um, you know, want to reform the police? We have to abolish the police and and, and things like this. Um, so I think both sides we are seeing that that purity spiral. I also think that the most vocal people are the ones on the wings. Yes. And I, I do think if there if there really is such a thing as a silent majority, it is the people in the middle who just want to get on with their lives, right, without um, you know pushing for these increasingly radical uh, agendas. And to some extent, I think. Um, Greaves and Jerry kind of find themselves in that center. Yeah. Right. And and Greaves told me during the so-called Titanic Civil War, he said, I never thought I would be attacked by people on the left. You know, I always thought I would have conservative Christians coming after me, but I never thought people would be calling me, you know, a racist or a crypto fascist or these other kinds of, of things. And he attributes that to uh, the purity spiral.
0: That That is such a good point because it seems like there's a lot of this on the left and you know i'm just kind of speaking from my own perspectives here but yeah they're the ones that are really lashing out and in turn they're it's that feedback loop they're making the conservatives more like defensive and it just kind of comes down to like why is this happening why do you think this is happening
1: yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons. I think social media is a huge factor because you can just block anyone who disagrees with you. Um, I think that the, and uh, the standing temple actually said um, our civil war came about largely because of social media, right? Because they, instantly you can say something that comes off as kind of disrespectful to somebody else. And then this this chain reaction can occur within a few seconds, right? Where people are discussing it and, and plotting retaliation and, and things like that. Uh, I think that's one factor. I think there is also, you know, there's a saying in sociology, the, the, the function of a system is what it does. Um, I think sometimes having these sort of street battles between the left and the right is actually almost a kind of sport. And they weirdly kind of appreciate the opposition because it gives them a chance to perform this. They love so it. Yeah, so, so Texas State University, we have this hellfire preacher named Brother Jeb, and every every semester he comes out and he stands there and he yells at the students that they're whores and they're going to hell. And so and then the students all surround Brother Jeb and yell at him that he's stupid and he worships an invisible sky God and so forth. And no one has ever, ever been convinced of anything in this exchange, right? Brother yeah. Jeb will always keep coming, the students will always keep mocking him, but he gets to go home and say, I was persecuted for speaking the word of God. I'm just like the biblical prophets. And the students get to go home and say, I stood up to a homophobic hellfire preacher. And, and, and weirdly, I think they both leave happy, right? <laughs> they, both, they both like what happened at the exchange. They must yeah. like it or it would stop. It's like One a toxic
0: relationship, it. right? It, it
1: really is. So, so I think possibly our entire culture is doing that to some extent, Dude. which is partly how we are where we are.
0: We wouldn't be doing this if we weren't getting something out of it.
1: I think that's right. I don't want to be totally cynical. Like I think that police reform in America is Mm. important. That's something that I would like to see getting out of it. But I do think that for some people, the point is to have this performance of, you know, there's this term virtue signaling, right? Um, Not everyone who is aspiring to virtue is virtue signaling, but sometimes that happens, right? And sometimes people say, well, you know, you signed a petition and called your congressman, but I went and, you know, got pepper sprayed by the police <laughs> or something like this. Right. And again, I don't want to belittle it. This is very serious. One of our students at Texas State um, was, was hospitalized um, mm-hmm. in a protest here, here, here in Austin. Um, but, but there is this performative element to it yes. that I think has to be acknowledged.
0: Yeah. I'm, I, I'm more uh, – do you ever watch South Park? Yeah. The, the, what's his name? The Social Justice Warrior?
1: Yeah. I mean, South Park is, again, I think kind of speaks to that sort of politics of the middle, right. Of sort of mocking, mocking both sides.
0: Yeah. And and, and I think that, that, that is so good because not to, you know, not to virtue signal myself, but I feel like I'm on the middle and I'm watching both sides. Like I can't stand to watch CNN anymore. It's like, Oh my God. They're always pulling things apart. Just like I can't watch Fox news, but the voices in the middle, I, I, We got to get those out more because then the other people are going to say, okay, it doesn't just look like this or that. So,
1: Right. And there's also, you know, there's, there's market concerns here, right? People do not want a cable news station that just gives balanced uh, (laughs) information, right? They want people screaming their political views as loud as they can and it feels good, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it releases dopamines, right? To to have someone screaming your political views and saying everyone disagrees with you. Is is just a fool, or hates the country, or something?
0: We love um, drama.
1: And and CNN, you know, of the three big American cable news stations, had the worst ratings until they said, okay, we're going to get our fists in this too, and we're going to oh. get really partisan, and then the ratings started to go up.
0: Wow, that's that's one way of looking at it. Well, I I am just looking at the time here too, and so what's you, you've talked a lot about TST. Now, a little bit about you. You've you've written about, uh, we are talking about it beforehand, about the role-playing games and how there was a satanic panic of the 90s. Can you share us a little bit more about that?
1: Sure. So in the 80s and 90s, it was widely believed by law enforcement and social workers that secret, powerful satanic cults basically ran the whole world hmm. um, and that they were – Um, sort of brainwashing children into being Satanists or into committing suicide through, you know, music videos and movies, but especially role-playing games like Dungeons and Dragons. And there was a big panic about this. um, And at the height of it, there were actually politicians saying, you know, if you vote for me, I will make it illegal to play this game, or I will require... Um, federal agencies to, to put a warning label on it, that it that it causes suicide. Um, and so my book, Dangerous Games, is sort of looking at why of all the things that Christians could be upset about in the 80s and 90s, were they focusing on a pretty innocuous Christian game, but also a game that kind of under the surface has a lot of Christian elements to it. If you've ever played Dungeons and Dragons, you know, one of the, the, the main characters you can play as a a cleric, as as someone whose power comes from their faith, right? Uh, And who can heal people with their faith and things like this is because the people who created the game were Christians. Um, So that's also part of the mystery of the book is sort of why are people looking at Christian elements of this game and and not recognizing their own religion? Why do they see that as being satanic? Um, This is people that a lot of, especially Gen Xers, I think can relate to. Uh, A lot of people from Gen X remember I wanted to play this game and my church set my books on fire, you know, yeah. <laughs> or, or something like this. Uh, so I think there's, there's a big nostalgia appeal to some people for for that book.
0: That's awesome. Well, one thing that, that uh, sort of an underlying theme that I've heard from you is that I think about, you know, the school shootings and and these kids who it's like, if they just had a yeah, you know, here, I, I'm going to tell you what I think. And then I want you to correct me. But if they just had a group, if they had a place where they felt like they belonged, I really don't believe that these things would happen. So when you have things like Dungeons and Dragons groups, you know, uh, you have something like the Satanic Temple groups for these people, these outliers who are like, I don't know if I have any kind of, you know, place. Why come check out our group? This could save lives, man. And that's why I think this is so important.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And of course, in the wake of the Columbine shooting, um, the first thing they said was, well, these kids play Dungeons and Dragons, which is not true. They never did. It had just become this kind of stock thing um, that they brought up. But but there has been some psychological study of Dungeons and Dragons and other role-playing games. And and one thing they found is a, a controversial part of the game is you have to choose whether you want to be good or evil. Mm. And most people choose to be good, but in theory, you can choose to be evil. And the Christian said, aha, this is, <sighs> you're, you're teaching our students or, or our children the ways of, of evil. And the psychologist actually said, you know, uh, he had a student or he had a, he had a patient who had been suicidal and played an evil character. And he would just talk to him about sort of why, why did your character make the choices that they did? Um, and this was, this allowed him to open up and say, well, you know, my, my dad, neglected me and doesn't care about me and, and, and things like this. Um, and so there's a theory that if you repress any negative thoughts or attitudes and you just say, you're not allowed to express this, it's of the devil, it right. builds up and it manifests in really destructive ways. And that especially young people need to understand that um, sometimes it's not okay to be violent, but kind of negativity and sort of violent stories um, are important for developments. Yeah, know, there was there was a move to ban fairy tales. They said you can't have, you know, trolls eating children. You can't have Hansel and Gretel. And there were child developments. who said no, no, no. Kids need to know about that. First of all, they need to know you can stop a troll. You can stop a witch, right? But also, if they think they're the only human being who has ever felt angry or ever felt like mm. hitting somebody, that is much more damaging. Um, and so they need to know that these feelings are natural and that there's a way to, to deal with that. And, and censorship uh, doesn't give them that, that ability.
0: That's, that's a good point. I mean, in my work as a, a registered clinical counselor, it's, it's not about, it's not about uh, getting rid of your anger, right? It's called anger management. It's not anger absolution. It's like, how can we use this to better understand ourselves to be constructive not repressive and i think about like i love death metal i love heavy metal music and there's a band i love called cannibal corpse slayer all their iconography is from the church absolutely (laughs) which is so ironic to me they're like you guys are satanists where do you think we got this from
1: Right, there's an exorcist named Bob Larson, who was a big proponent of banning Dungeons and Dragons. And he actually went on tour with Slayer. <laughs> uh, and again, it's that, it's that symbiotic relationship, right? Because Slayer could say, look how pissed off this preacher is about our music. And then he can say, I wanna tell my congregation about just how evil it was going on tour with Slayer. Uh, and, and you can tell that he, Bob Larson started off as a mu- musician. He basically, after a failed career as a musician, he, he became a preacher. So there's also, I think, a little jealousy, right? That you guys get to be rock stars, which is what I always wanted to be. And this is kind of as close as, as I'll ever get.
0: That's awesome. So what's, what's next for you in terms of uh, your future projects?
1: So my next book uh, will come out um, actually in, in September, um, and it's uh, called The Penguin Book of Exorcisms. Um, and this is another thing that I, that I, I work on is uh, exorcism and spirit possession. Um, and so this is a collection of primary texts uh, about exorcism, not only from the Christian tradition, but um, from Asian religions and even you know, things like voodoo and native American traditions uh, as, as well. Um, and it's, it's part of uh, Penguin Classics and they do these series of kind of primary texts. Um, But if you are into that sort of stuff, um, it's going to be out in, in paperback. It's going to be affordable. Um, Sometimes my, my academic books are overpriced, which I have no control over. Um, But this will be, this will be a nice uh, paperback. And it'll be out in time for Halloween.
0: Awesome. Well, Joseph, uh, thank you so much for your time. uh, And, and illuminating uh, what, what some people has, you know, The satanic temple has this big shadow, this dark cloud over it. So thank you for your time.
1: Well, this has been really fun. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. Thank you. All right. That was Joseph Laycock. Um, He's definitely made me think about, you know, what are my own beliefs? Perhaps that's something that maybe you're thinking about too. When was the last time that you examined what you believe, what you hold on to, what motivates you? Maybe you thought about it yesterday, maybe you thought about it years ago, but it's definitely something that we need to think about and that we carry with us in our everyday interactions. Thank you once again to Joseph Laycock for his time and his insight uh, on the Satanic Temple and what they're doing to influence and change the perception of how society views religion. Have a wonderful day.